When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a Voice of a Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton. Uh, Mike Duffy will be joining very shortly, so I'm not on my own tonight to do the preview. And we also have James here from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast to give us a preview um, of our upcoming game with Sheffield Wednesday tomorrow evening at Hillsborough. It's the first time Watford have played um, Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, since Danny Rolls first got him in charge. So we're going to find out how that's all gone for Sheffield Wednesday. And um, yeah, we'll just take a look forward to tomorrow's game. But yeah, like I say, I've got James here on board with me. His second appearance on the Voice of the Vic this season. Uh, firstly, James, thank you for coming back and accepting our invitation to come back on. It couldn't have gone too bad last time if you've, you've came back on. Um, firstly, how are you? And um, you looking forward to tomorrow night? Yeah, thanks for having me back on, Ben. Do really appreciate it. Um, yeah, looking. Uh, look, I always look forward to any game of football. You know, Hillsborough on a on a midweek under the lights. You know, there's uh, there's nothing better than that. So, yeah, look. You know, quietly looking forward to to tomorrow's game, and uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, it's quite ironic that Watford's actually travelling to Sheffield Wednesday on a Wednesday as well. Um, so, and before we move on, I imagine your favourite day of the week's Wednesday as well. Got, it's got to be surely. Sure. <laughs> thing is it's, it's ironic for you but we always play on a wednesday in midweek so uh yeah oh do you okay then for us yeah pretty pretty much oh, i don't know if it's a thing but we we do yeah. tend to play all our games you know very rarely are we on a tuesday night it's mainly on a wednesday oh i never knew that i'm gonna look out for all your fixtures going forward now when it's a midweek game just to see how it all turns out but no that's interesting so yeah as i mentioned at the start watford um played you earlier on in the season watford um narrowly won it one nil with a yeso spree strike i think um there was a penalty overturned in that game as well chef wentz was awarded a penalty and it was 
referee gave it, but the Lino overruled it. And then I think 10, 15 minutes later, Watford went one nil up and narrowly won. And it, it was a tough game for Watford, if I'm totally honest. We didn't really know what to expect. I don't think you knew what to expect either because Danny Rowe was um, appointed manager during the week. Since that game, um, James, how, how, has it, how has it been under Danny Rowe? Um, a hundred times better. I mean, it wasn't going to be difficult, was it, to be any better than what Cisco Munoz was? If you remember rightly as well, we hadn't won a game, um, you know, by the time we'd played yet all season. Uh, obviously, I think that was the uh, 12th game of the season, I want to say, because uh, Cisco yeah. was sacked after 10, then we played Huddersfield, and then it was yourself. Like I said, it was uh, Danny Real's first game in charge. We had to wait another two games until we got his first win. That came against Rotherham. Um, but finally got that monkey off his back because, uh, yeah, there were times where I thought that, you know, how long is it going to be until we get this uh, this first win of the season? But no, he's he's kind of galvanised the troops, let's say, because, you know, obviously we're in the January transfer window at the moment, but the players that he's got is exactly the same team that, that Cisco Munoz had to, had to choose from. So there's no difference there. Um, the only one difference is he's brought Bailey Kadamatri and he's come through the youth setup. Um, but obviously he was he was still a player, you know, at the at the time when Cisco was there. It's just he's been given a chance under Danny Real. I, th- I think the main thing that's changed is he's given the team a be- like the, the belief that they can do it. Um, they were shot of all confidence. They had no confidence whatsoever, um, you know, in the opening you know, 10, 11 games of the season. Um, and he's just come in and, and shown them that they can do it. I think fitness-wise, they're a lot fitter. Um, just a shame that he's had to do that kind of in the middle of the season. And when you've got games coming thick and fast, it's not easy. So we have struggled in, in some games. But you can certainly see, certainly in recent weeks, that, you know, they're playing up until the 90 minutes, whereas they were getting to 60 minutes under under Danny Real when Danny Real first came in. and just couldn't do what he was trying to get him to do. You know, we play much more on the front foot. We'll, you know, we like to press players um press press teams especially when they try and play out from the back you know we'll uh, we'll we'll hurry them up and you know try and win the ball in the final third rather than doing what we were doing in the early parts of the season which is just retreating back and just letting teams mm. you know walk all over us so uh yeah all, all in all it has been very refreshing i mean it's not just danny real either you know it's um we've got chris powell uh in the in the backroom staff which to be oh, fair cool. he'd be You'd be happy to have him as a manager, let alone in the in the backroom staff. Henrik Pedersen, who's uh, who was a manager before, he's coming as the assistant. So when you look at the the people that have come in and where they've come from, uh, they've got a you know a, a good pedigree, and yeah, it's um, it's just a, a the outlook is a lot better than what it was under under Cisco Munoz, and you know we're starting to pick up some some wins. Then we had three wins on the bounce, including. The cup as well. We have gone three without a win, but we have played, you know, Southampton and Coventry twice. Although we are going to play them again as well, so four times in the space of about uh, six weeks or whatever it is. Sick of playing them, to be uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, but no, it's it's been great. It's just uh, it's just a shame that we're we're currently sat what twenty third in the league and and still six points adrift of safety at the moment. Yeah, 23rd in the league, but like you say, six points behind um, Huddersfield now, who have recently obviously changed their manager, your former manager, um, Darren Moore, getting the sack on Monday. 
after the Huddersfield owner three weeks ago said that he won't go in anywhere. But that, that owner seems ridiculous. We'll get onto your owner soon. Don't worry. You're not got away scot-free. Um, but yeah, it seems like, yeah, Danny Rowe's got a decent backroom staff behind him. Like you say, a lot of experience there. And that's probably what he needs in his first managerial job, isn't it? To help guide him along the way. And do you think that's probably helped him so far to adjust to maybe English football? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Let's remember that he was at Southampton as an assistant manager under Hassan Hootel. So it's not his first foray into, you know, into England. He, he has been here before. Yeah. Obviously, it's his first managerial job, you know, uh, you know, at, at the being the front man, so to speak. So, so, yeah, I mean, having that experience behind him, I think he's kind of gone, gone about it the right way as well. You know, both uh, the two that I've mentioned, Pedersen and, and Chris Powell, have been managers before, so they know what it's like. Um he, spoke, he has spoken out how you know he is approachable, but Pedersen is more of the you know the the middleman and Chris Powell as well in terms of you know they're more hands on with the players um, mm. and they can you know relay the information across. But quite a lot of the players, um, well, especially Josh Windass, who spoke out a couple of weeks ago in a, in a pre match press conference saying that um, they're all delivering the same message, whether you speak to you know one or the other or or all of them they're all saying the same thing and they're all singing from the same hymn sheet, which obviously helps as well. And he's very much into the, the analytic sides of, of football, you know, your XGs and, and, and things like that. And you can, well, I don't know this is certain, but you, you probably you can probably tell that, you know, he's, even though the results might not have gone our way, he's saying that, you know, look, nine times out of 10, we'd have won that game. I know the game's not played on paper, but, um, it kind of feels like it is at the, at the moment, especially in this day and age. Um, and we've seen that, that we didn't quite get the results early on, but the signs were there. Um, and then now, obviously, we're starting to starting to reap the rewards. And, you know, you see Chris Powell singing along to Hio, Silver Lining. Look, I know that don't get you three points, but yeah. they've just all fully bought into the football club. Um, Danny Rule as well, you know, interacting with the fans and stuff. And, as a fan, that's just what you want. We didn't get that with Cisco Munoz. He kind of alienated himself. I know things weren't going right, but if you can have that bond with the fans, when things and results don't go our way, it does buy you a little bit of time and yeah. does does buy you a bit of leeway. And I've never seen the Sheffield Wednesday fan base take to a manager as quickly as what we've done with with Danny Rail. It's it's fantastic. Everyone's chanting his name and and everything. And you know it's it's mad when you look at it and think, you know, you'd think that the way, the way that the mood is, you'd think we were, you know, in the top six getting into the playoffs. <laughs> if you, if you didn't know where we actually were, it's, it's mad. No, it's nice to see that you've actually built that connection between the fan base and the, and the manager, because obviously it was, it was so split with Cisco Munoz and you, you spoke about him before in your previous, on a previous podcast saying how terrible it was under him. And I think three points he, he managed to achieve, in his spell at Hillsborough, which is just horrific. But Danny Rose is definitely giving you that belief. He's galvanised the troops. Um, I know it might be a difficult question to answer, but six points behind Huddersfield now. Um, you've obviously probably got them looking dangerously behind them now, thinking Sheffield Wednesday are on the up now, even QPR as well, thinking that we really need to pick up results because Sheffield Wednesday are on a good run of form lately. Do you think that you've got enough to stay up this season uh well i've got i've got to say yes i'm not sure like, um you know it's one <laughs> of those where um obviously we've got you on you know wednesday tomorrow 
we actually play Huddersfield on Saturday, which is a massive game. It's at their place. Mm. Um, so, you know, if results can go our way tomorrow, the gap could be three. Come mm. five o'clock on, on Saturday evening, we could be level with Huddersfield. Wow. Look, even, even if, you know, even if we lose tomorrow against yourselves, the gap the gap could be three and we're in striking distance of, of Uddersfield if again if we can if we can manage to beat him on Saturday. So yeah, it, there's there's a lot more a lot of football left. Um they played QPR in their last game, I think at the weekend, did it didn't have an FA Cup fixture. Um there was winning, I think they scored in the eighty fifth minute and, you, and at that point the gap would have been eight points and you're thinking, you know, could be a total different story there, even though the f- the fact that we are playing them, uh, you know, all, uh, at the following weekend, their next game. But then they conceded a ninety fifth minute equaliser, I think it was <laughs> against QPR. Uh, so the gap's then six. That's obviously a massive sucker punch. Then they've sacked the manager as well. Yeah. So you know, the land, even though it's only one goal and, and two points, the landscape changes. And you know, by the time we're playing, like I said, if things go our way tomorrow night, then yeah, you never you never know and. It's just crazy how one game can change things. Similarly, if things don't go our way, you know, and we lose the next two games, it could be a good night at Vienna because then it would be nine points. We're not playing them again, uh, you know, until, well, at, at all this season. Uh, and then, you know, that, that could be a bit of a mountain that we that we can't get over. But, you know, I think when you look at the, the team that we've got, obviously the January transfer window is still open. I know it shuts mm. the day after we, we play each other, you know, um, these rumours that we're perhaps bringing a striker in from from the MLS. I don't know if that's going to happen. He might be, he might be on his way to Blackburn. Um, but you know, even even if we don't bring anyone in, I think that the starting lineup and, and our best eleven is probably good enough to pick up enough points. Because um, mm. remember, we've only got to be better than three teams in the league. You know, you don't need to be good enough to to get in the top yeah. six. So I think we are good enough. The problem is, is if we, I don't think we've got the strength in depth to actually. You know, if we do pick up a few injuries to key players, whether we've got enough to to keep going. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And I think you know, even though the you know we're talking about tomorrow's game, I think all eyes as a Sheffield Wednesday fan is on is on Saturday's game against Huddersfield. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a massive game, and it's a local game as well. Sort of rivalries there as well. Um, so definitely going to I'm going to have one eye on that this weekend. Um, talking about owners again um so what's the current state of Sheffield Wednesday at the moment under Shashiri was it Shashiri Shashiri um, yeah yeah so we've all obviously obviously seen how he's been operating the football club this season and from an outsider looking in it just seems so chaotic and I would absolutely hate that to happen to my football club Watford and you've had you've had to suffer this this season Talk to us about what you've actually had to put up with this season. What's the current state of the club? Just how is it as a Sheffield Wednesday fan at the moment with him at the helm? Uh, yeah, well, he's been here for, um, I think it was nine years yesterday, I think it was. Um, <laughs> and quite frankly, we're in a worse position than what we were when he first came in. Um, we were pretty much, you know, a stable-ish championship club. Obviously, he came in through all the money at it. We nearly got to the promised land, that being the Premier League. Um, and then since then, it has just been a bit of a decline, you know, a steady decline or a rapid decline, if you, whichever way, way you want to look at it. Um, and, and yeah, the, the club's hemorrhaging money left, right and centre. And it is, it is real sorry state. And this season has been 
such a roller coaster. It's been unbelievable. I thought last season was bad with the ups and downs kind of on the pitch, but this season off the pitch, it has been chaotic to say the least. You know, um, the whole getting rid of Darren Moore, bringing Cisco Munoz in, the press conference, which I'm sure you all probably saw, was an absolute car crash when he's calling out, you know, Carlton Palmer, calling him Leighton Palmer, you know, getting a, a club <laughs> legend's name totally wrong, which, you know, that's that's one problem in itself. Um, and, yeah, you know, not talking yeah. about the, the the current manager you've brought in on his, you know, on his, un, not the, the big day, the big unveiling. Um, so you knew that weren't ever going to go, you know, according to plan. Um I have to give him credit though, you know, bringing Danny Rowling, the, the pedigree that he's got and where he's been and stuff and the backroom staff, you know, it's not something that I thought would happen. Um, but obviously it has and and that's one massive positive. But then again, off the pitch with things, the comments that he's made, you know, there was one point, I kid you not, we had a GoFundMe to try and raise money or people, someone was trying to raise money to pay the tax bill. Like is that the two million pound tax bill where he said if every Sheffield Wednesday fan paid two hundred pounds or a hundred pounds, you'd pay the debt off or something. That's correct, yeah. So the the tax that he should have and collected from you know all the you know all the profits and things, that's what he was asking fans for. And then he then came out and said that wasn't what, what he said or what he meant. He was just joking, which again is just <laughs> absolutely baffling. Um he came out and said he's not going to put any extra extra money into the club, but then he sacked Cisco Munoz, brought all the new backroom staff in and Danny Rail, and apparently he's tabled a 2.5 or 2.35 million pound bid for for this guy from the MLS, which, so again, I don't know if we're coming or going, really. Um, think He says things that he doesn't mean. Um, he says things that then aren't true either. Um, and it's just, it's just a bit chaotic, Um Season ticket prices have come out yesterday. Um, got ten days sure. to get it for the che- for the cheapest price, which again is four hundred and sixty pounds to sit on the cop. People have said you know twenty pound a game, not too bad, but we have only got ten days to to buy it at that price. Then it goes up by twenty five quid, and then another twenty five pound, another seven days later. So yeah, it is. Um, it's been you know, it's been quiet since before Christmas. He's not said anything. And it's been great mm. because there's been no club statements um, and we've just kind of been able to concentrate on what's been happening on the pitch. But we all knew that January was coming. We all knew that the January transfer window was coming and um, we all knew that we all, we needed some players, some reinforcements. And and it's not really happened. You know, we're, like, like I said, we're, we're what, two, and a, two and a bit days away from the transfer window closing and there's a distinct possibility that we're going to end it having only signed a goalkeeper and a and a striker that couldn't even get in the Cardiff team. So yeah, it's in terms of the owner and stuff, he's not been winning many people over, I don't think. Mm. The only I want to see him gone and I want another owner in that can actually uh, has a bit of an idea of how to run a football club. Um the only problem is I think that people think you know is the grass always greener there's probably worse owners than chance here i don't think there's many but the problem is probably is mm-hmm. and he's still bankrolling the football club so you're in a bit of a sticky situation whereas whilst he's still paying you know to to keep the club afloat um you know the club's still here if he if he decided not to what what would happen to the football club um and and people are kind of almost like just stay quiet whilst things are just bumbling on but yeah i think the i think there is change that needs to needs to happen because if not we're just going to be fine if, if we've managed to stay up this season it'll only be the same next season 
and the following season and the following season. And we won't, we're not going to be really, really getting anywhere, to be honest. It's just a sad state of affairs, really, isn't it? Like, he just seems so unpredictable, a bit hot-headed. And like you say, you can't really trust what he says. He comes out with one statement and goes back on his word saying, oh, I didn't mean it, I was joking. Like, how are you meant to believe anything that he says? And with the season ticket prices you mentioned as well, has that increased from last season? Um, will it go yeah. down, say, if, if you end up going down to League One or... There's been no word on that. Uh, my, my season ticket's gone up £85. I sit on the North Stand and mine's now £570. Uh, and that is the, the cheapest that, that I can get that season ticket, um, which, uh, yeah, £85 more for potentially League One football next season is, um, yeah, it's a, the thing is, he's got you by the danglies, hasn't he? Because, yeah. you know, I want to I will, I will be buying my season I've not done it yet but I will be getting my season ticket because I enjoy going to the football it's something that I look forward to I look forward to every single game I'm looking forward to tomorrow against Watford I'll be there on Saturday against Huddersfield you know where uh, I, I want to go to to watch Sheffield Wednesday play um and it's it's almost it's a way of life and for some people it's almost like a religion gonna go to yeah. the football so the price could be anything in theory and people will still pay it you know Someone who I know, he's got a ticket for himself and his two kids. He's renewed for next season. And he's saying, oh, I'll have to do overtime at work and I'll have to, you know, cut down on going out and, and stuff so I can afford it. And you shouldn't have to be able to do that, really, just to go yeah. to the football. Like, you know, uh, it's almost becoming a, an elitist sport to follow. I, I bet it's cheaper to to watch, you know, polo or something like that, where, uh, you know, and than, than it is to actually follow your, follow yeah. your football team, um, which, again, it, it should be accessible to all. And football's rapidly not becoming that, you know, that some of the prices you see, I mean, I think our tickets are, are extortionate, but there's prices elsewhere that you that are quite eye-watering, to be honest. No, I totally agree. But something needs to happen where it's more more reasonable pricing. Um, I, I definitely want it more for away games, but home fans as well, they, they, they need to get it as well because, like you say, you you'll do anything to go watch your team you'll find a way of finding that money to pay for your season ticket and the fans will always be there come the end of the season 10 years time 20 years time chairman's come and go but we're we're with uh, the heart blood of our football clubs and we'll do absolutely anything to be there and put bums on seats but it's just just sad that owners feel like they have to keep putting prices up and not reward fans for their hard work and loyalty over the years um, we'll move on to maybe, well, it's not even much better for you because you've already <laughs> spoken briefly about it, the transfer window. So you've mentioned you've brought in a goalkeeper in, uh, and yeah. a striker. Um, do you want to talk to us about those two signings? Yeah, so we, we had Devis Vasquez on loan from AC Milan. Uh, I thought it was quite a decent keeper, but under yeah. Danny Real didn't seem to like him. He's not played once, so he's gone back to AC Milan. Uh, and we filled that void with James Beadle, um, signed him from Brighton on loan. He was at Oxford, playing every single week at Oxford. He was on on a season long loan there, so they've they've terminated that loan and they've uh, they've shipped him out to us. Um, he's only eighteen, I think, six foot six. Meant to be um, highly rated, isn't he? It's, I've heard yeah, he's, lots of good things about him. Yeah, he's been having a fantastic season at Oxford so far. Um, like I said young. Um, young goalkeeper only 18 years old uh, Sal Bibbo is our uh, goalkeeping coach he was at Brighton um, so you will know 
everything about um, James Beadle. So there's you know there's no surprise that he's he's come to us. You know there's obviously the the links there. Uh, he didn't play in the first game um, when, when we played Southampton and got leaked four nil. Uh, but he, uh, he played against Coventry. We got we got beat two one, and then he was cup tied mm. for the last one against Coventry. So uh, so he didn't play in that. But he'll be back. Um, he'll be playing tomorrow because Cameron Dawson has picked up uh, a little injury. So he'll be he'll be back between the sticks. And yeah, it's fantastic with his feet. Um, I've heard that you know his his shot stopping and you know uh, coming for crosses perhaps isn't his his strong point which now sounds mad for a goalkeeper um <laughs> you know but he, he's he, you'll see him he's only slight and you can tell that he's a he's only an 18 year old but you know his confidence on the ball which in some ways is more important now for a goalkeeper than actually the the shot stopping abilities which again is is crazy to think um but yeah. no he, he looks composed you know we like to play the ball out from the back we like to start attacks out from the goalkeeper and obviously the the he's very much a modern goalkeeper so yeah it's it's great that he's coming Cameron Dawson had made a few clangers uh, and everything so you know good to see we've got a got a new goalkeeper in i would probably have preferred someone that's you know maybe a bit more established if i'm being perfectly honest but i think everyone wants them you know it's when you're taking chances yeah. with, with players and when you're at the bottom of the league, you always think this perhaps not going to go your way. But, you know, so far, when we've only seen a small sample size, the two goals he did concede, the first one was an absolute worldie from Ben Chee from the edge of the box. And the second one, he made a fantastic save, but then we didn't get to the second ball and they just poked it, you know, poked it into pretty much an empty net. So it was, you know, it was um, a bit unlucky with that one to be perfectly honest. Uh, the other one is E.K. Ugbo, who we've signed on loan from uh, French side Troyes. He was on loan at Cardiff, again, on a season-long loan. Um, that one's been cut short. I think that was mainly more to do with Cardiff. I think they were looking at other other transfer targets that they were trying to bring in. Um, so we've we've picked him up. He scored a couple of goals. Uh, I think he scored against us, I think, in, when we played him at, at their place earlier on in the, in the season. Um, he's come in... He's a he's he's not an out and out number number nine. Um, he's mm. more of a forward can play can play wide. He he came off the bench for about ten minutes in the two one defeat to Coventry, um, and then he started in the in the one all draw in the FA Cup. Didn't score, but he hit the post uh, with an effort. You know, he looked bright, looked looked decent. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not sure he's going to be that person that's going to get get us ten or twelve goals this season because we that's something we desperately need. We all. We are like struggling for for a striker, as is everyone, I suppose. Really, when yeah. you uh, when you look at it, everyone wants that twenty goal a season striker, and they're like gold <laughs> dust, aren't they? Uh, I'm not sure he's that person. Um, however, you know the, the kind of motto at the moment is in, in role we trust. So, you know, the he's brought in a, a head of recruitment that was at Arsenal and Manchester United of all places. So, fingers crossed, they've, they've seen something in him and, and the signings that we've, we have brought in. You know, hopefully they. Hopefully they're going to do the business, but we haven't really seen him as of yet. So look, they're not signings that I've got excited for. I've not, I've not been, you know, absolutely buzzing for both of them. But I think we have to be realistic as a football club. We haven't got much money to spend. We've been, you know, shopping in the free and low market for for what seems like forever. The players that we're going to bring in aren't going to be, you know, they're either going to be from the league below and doing half decent, as in James uh, James Beadle. Or they're going to be from the leagues above that are perhaps out of favour um, and perhaps not been getting the game time. So we have to be realistic with the players that we're going to bring in. I mean, we have been looking 
um, in the MLS, like I said earlier, uh, Duncan Maguire um, from Orlando is a player that we've been linked with. Obviously, if we do sign him, he's not going to be available to play tomorrow because he's actually in Mexico at the moment. So he'd have to fly oh, over right. to get here tomorrow <laughs> to then sign before, obviously, transfer deadline day. But it looks like Blackburn are going to um, beat us to his signature, to be honest. But it is refreshing that we've we've tabled a bit of over £2 million because... I think Chancey would have had to do a lot of searching behind the back of the sofa to find that sort of money. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah, definitely. And let's talk about a signing you made in the the transfer window in the summer. Um, you've already spoken about him on our last podcast. It's our striker on loan at you, Ashley Fletcher. How's he getting on? If, if, are, you, are you still wishing that he didn't get back on that bus? Uh, yes and no. Um, I'll give him credit where, where due. Danny Rill seems to like him because he's been playing quite often, um, you know, since, since we played each other. He has, he's not scored yet. Um, he has been getting close. Uh, he hit the post against QPR, which we, which we scored, uh, after he's, he's had a few chances. I mean, he hit one with his little toe. And if he, I think if he hits it with his big toe against Bristol city, that one would have probably gone in as well. Um, no. Do you know what he, he he does? I can't fault his his work rate. Um, he's just I think he's been getting a bit unlucky. He does get a lot of stick. I give him a lot of stick as well, or I have done. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, in role we trust. It's one of those that if he's if he keeps choosing him, some someone's got to be wrong somewhere. It's either Danny Rill or or me or the rest of the fan base. So you know, we Danny Rill's been right on quite a few things so far. Um, hopefully, he's right. We you know, with, with with Ashley Fletcher, we do seem to. I looked at the, I looked this up actually. Now it could be a fact that he comes on, you know, normally comes off the bench at around 60, 70 minute mark. Uh, but I looked and we actually have the highest xG with him on the pitch than than any other player. So from that point of view, it looks like he he does have an impact. However, we also have the 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 highest xG against when he's on the pitch as well. So. Um, but like I said, that could probably be due to the fact that he normally plays in the last 15 or 20 minutes of a match when normally there's more chances at that point. So it, it, I was initially thinking it could be the, the Ashley Fletcher effect. It might just be that it's near the end of the game when he comes on and it could be it could have been anyone, to be honest. So, uh, But it does seem to make things happen. The only thing he doesn't make happen is putting the ball in the back of the net. He should have scored against Coventry at the weekend on that. Friday night. Uh, right at the death that would have won it to be honest and um, he's just low on confidence he, he tried to take a touch someone with confidence would have hit it first time and, and would have scored it was only six yards out but like I said he, he, he's, he is really low on confidence I don't think he's scored in about seven years I think it is so uh, it's no surprise that he's, he's not got much confidence to be honest well, you're not doing us any much hope anyway. We, he can't we play tomorrow to... though, because he's he'll, you know against his parent club. He's not going to be there tomorrow, is he? Um, well, which could be a blessing in disguise. But oh, to be fair, blessing. you could just say, do you know what? Ashley Fletcher can play because he probably won't score. So um, <laughs> you never know. The thing is, when we signed him, we gave him a five-year contract, and I think he's got about another three years left on that contract. So I don't think he's we're going to get many suitors in the summer. <laughs> Well, we're not going to buy him anyway. Well, you never know. Do you know what I've said? On I've said a few times. Obviously, we're down near the bottom. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to survive this season. Ashley Fletcher will score one goal this season, and it will be the goal 
that keeps us up in the championship and there will be a statue outside the south stand of Ashley Fletcher maybe not that last bit but it might, it might well maybe not all of it to be fair but you know you can live in hope i guess <laughs> fantastic a statue of him scoring off his ass or something outside the stand that'd be brilliant um for everyone who's listening on the audio mike has arrived now mike is finally here half an hour into a podcast always on time aren't you mike <laughs> i've got a wedding to plan mate so a lot of calls at the moment about uh, photographers, videographers, you name it, mate. We've we've had a, a Zoom call every night so far, and we've got a few more this week. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, I've got an excuse this time, Ben. Um, I joined at the right time, talking about the legend that is Ashley Fletcher. Um, so I'm uh, I'm gutted I missed a big chunk of that because I can only imagine it was all good stuff. But um, I, I just want to you you mentioned you missed a chance on Saturday. Obviously, Saturday you drew one one at home to Coventry City. Uh, in the FA Cup, what what was the performance like on a whole? Well, you know, a bit like Groundhog Day playing uh, Coventry. We played them on Boxing Day at their place. We played them the, the week before in the league. Then we played them on the Friday night in the in the cup, and we drew. So we've got them again um, a week tomorrow. So I, I'm sick of playing Coventry. Um, yeah. Do you know what? It was we made six changes. So it sounds like we've kind of rotated the side, but to be honest, the side that we put out was pretty strong um i think you know it was it was a shame that we went a goal a goal down it was a worldie that victor Torp scored from about 35 yards you know no keepers saving that one but the defending was a bit shocking to be honest so that kind of was a bit disappointing that we'd you know done all the hard work and we could have gone in level and and kind of gifted him a goal although it was a great goal like i said but we played a lot better in the second half and i think in in what you know once we once we scored the goal, um, Jedi Kasama got his second goal of the season. It, I felt like there was only one team that was go- that was going to win it. You know, um, mm-hmm. we we kind of got the upper hand, and you know, like I said, Fletcher had a chance right at the end where he could have, you know, could and perhaps should have scored. Um, and we were, yeah, I think the, on on the whole, I think a draw was probably a fair result. I think Coventry are one of the better sides that we've played so far this season. Not in terms of their skill level, I just think the organisation wise, and you know, uh, especially in the in the home in the in the league game you know they blocked off every single channel made it difficult for us to to actually get a stranglehold in the game you know they didn't particularly press us or anything like that they just got into the shape quickly uh, and knew where to you know where they needed to be in order to stop us from from advancing forward and, and made it quite difficult for us even though we were the home side um but but yeah i think you know on the whole like i said the performance was was okay um again we've got a got to realize that we are where we are in the league you know we're we're 23rd at the moment you know one off the one off the bottom five points at six points adrift sorry of of safety at the moment we're not going to win every single game and I suppose you know our our battles aren't really with Coventry although saying that you know you like to think pick up a few points in your home games um but no I was I was pleasantly pleasantly I I was quite pleased with the performance let's say yeah I know obviously it's always on on survival this season but it's a good opportunity to progress in for fa cup this year i know you got to get through coventry first but maystone at home is it's for draw next and i know they knocked ipswich town out with their only two shots on goal and 20 percent possession and but that that must be a quite an exciting tie to have if you do advance through past coventry exciting 
uh, probably not the, the word I'd use to be perfectly honest. Uh, <laughs> nerve wracking, I think, would be would be the one because uh, you'd just be thinking you you don't want to be that team, do you? You know, you don't want to be that team like Ipswich that gets beat by Maidstone. And being a Sheffield Wednesday fan, um, I, you just think you just think the writing's on the wall that, that that's going to happen, you know. I don't want to say they've been lucky, but, you know, like I said, Ipswich had a load of shots and they had two and they scored. You'd like to think that their luck would would run out against whether it's us or Coventry who they play next. But no, it, it is, you're right in that, you know, it's a massive... I think, you know, if it was a Prem team, then obviously the, the incentive's there to, you know, to get that kind of money spinner next and, and have either a good away day or a Prem team coming to Hillsborough. Um, but I suppose the next one really in, in the grand scheme of things would be the, the lowest ranked team so that then you could you know progress into what would then what be the quarters i think it would be uh after that you know one one step away from wembley so um so yeah from that point of view you'd like to think that we'd be able to beat them but you know our only hope is that coventry have got one eye on the playoffs because they are in the playoffs at the moment and they might think you know we don't really need another another game because i think against against um maidstone it's going to be attritional they're going to be you know hard tackles flying in and probably not what they want probably not what we want either the only thing we want is a bit of um momentum i guess and and you know that's what we could that's what we could get so yeah fingers crossed we're not long to wait that that, that game's next week so um yeah the game's coming thick and fast yeah, we've got yeah. the same with um, Southampton as well. We drew with Southampton one one, and then we, we only only got announced today, but it's next Tuesday, and fans have been trying to find out when we're actually playing them because obviously we want to book train tickets, find out match prices, and it's a complete farce how organised VFAR at, at times. And like everyone knew that replays were going to happen at some point in this competition, but why don't you have both set days set out straight away, saying, okay, if if you draw your your the fourth round tie, the replay will be on this date prior to the game. I don't know why they've yeah. taken three, four days to sort it all out. It's, it's to, to be honest, for me, replays should be scrapped, in my opinion. Yeah. Or you could what you could do is have a bit of an agreement before the game, speak to both managers. Um, do you want a replay or not? You know, in our case with Coventry, now we've just got a penalties, you know, I'm not bothered. Obviously, Ipswich against Maidstone. Ipswich will probably say, no, we don't want one. Maidstone will say, yes, we 100% do. So I think in that yeah. case, they have a replay. Um, but those that don't need it, they, they stop all the whinging and the moaning. Because realistically, you know, I'm sure you didn't really want a replay against Southampton. Um, neither do we want a replay against Coventry. Like I said, the fourth time we played them in about six weeks. It's funny, actually, because last season we played Fleetwood in the, um, in the fourth round. We played Fleetwood on Boxing Day. We played Fleetwood... Uh, on the 20th of, of January. Then we played them in the FA Cup the week after, and then we drew with them and played them in the, um, you know, two weeks later in a replay. And that is exactly the same with Coventry. It is literally deja vu. We've done it, we've done exactly the same, um, which is mad um, to have done that. And yeah, just like Fleetwood, I'm sick of playing Coventry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting you say actually about having the replay scrapped. My boss has got a, Good idea. He says they should do it so um, both teams just split the revenue regardless of who's home and away because the big pull at the moment, obviously, if you're a, a small team like Maidstone and you um, you know, you get Manchester United at home, your gate receipt's going to be massive and the TV money, etc. But if they just say, right, this is a part, 
split it evenly between the teams in said round, then there's none of that nonsense. So, um, anyway, enough of the FA Cup. Turn our attention to tomorrow. Who would you say your player, who do Watford need to sort of look out for, the the the, the player of, of the moment at the moment for, for Sheffield Wednesday? I mean, I would imagine it's probably Bannon. That, that, that would be mine because Bannon's, you know, very, very good player. But who would you say the, the Sheffield Wednesday player to look out for is? Yeah, I think yeah, Bannon is a is a good shout. Um, I think as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, I know it sounds really bad, but we've got kind of just so used to how good Barry Bannon is that mm-hmm. that you know, and, and he set the bar so high that you come to expect that from him every single week. And when he's not on a you know an eight or a nine out of ten, you know, he might only be performing at what is perceived to him as being a seven. You know, it's like he's having a really poor game. Um, when actual fact, he's he's still outperforming most of the players. Um, everyone knows about Barry Bannon, so I'm not going to talk about him. Um, Jedi Gasama is one that you need to look out for. Like I say, he scored against Coventry, um, second goal of the season. He's one that um, he came from Paris Saint Germain um, in the in the summer. You know, I don't think he didn't play a senior game for them, but he came through their their youth ranks. So you know, he must have something about him if he's uh, if he's come from there. Um, one of the signings that Cisco made who, under Cisco, he was. It was poor. Um, he's not the he's not the finished article by any stretch. I think he's he's having nineteen, or I think mean, he might have turned twenty years old now. So he's still only young. He, he's someone, you know, he can be speedboat no driver sometimes. Um, he's got a lot of pace, but um, <laughs> he's not quite got that end product um, all of the time. But then again, if he did. He won't be turning out for Sheffield Wednesday. You know, he would be playing in the Premier League or or for, for Paris Saint Germain in their first team. So you, you have got to, you know, you have got to apply a bit of kind of realism to the to the whole thing uh, and, and everything, and, and cut him a little bit of slack. But he's one of those players that you get he gets bums off seats. He, he's he's quick. We were crying out for pace. We had no pace in that side in that that got you know that beat Barnsley in the in the playoff final last season. It was it was crying out for youth and pace, and we brought that in. And he's one of those that you know, when he gets on the ball, it a criticism of his is he does he tries to beat someone just too many times he'll beat him twice and he'll, he'll try and beat him three times when when sometimes he, you know and he does need to get his head up a little bit and and play that pass however having said that you know he has got that ability to pick the ball up and and really drive I mean he, he had he scored a goal against Coventry but he had about five five or six shots and he could have scored a couple to be fair if he was a little bit more lucky with with some of the efforts that he had um so yeah he's certainly one to look out for um We've got another player very similar to him in Anthony Masaba. Uh, he came from Monaco uh, in the summer. They are, you know, very alike. Um, he played with Ike Ugbo, who we signed, who we signed on loan. Um, this is Masaba, that is, uh, when they played in Belgium together. So they have got that that connection there. Masaba's been a little bit off the boil. He, he was probably better more when um, when Danny Real first came in, uh, and him and Gassama have kind of switched. But we have been playing both of them. Uh, one on one side and one on the other. So you know, when, when they both get on the ball, they can really terrorise the defences. They're not one to get to the byline and cross it in. They're more, you know, cutting on the, you know, they'll, they'll cut inside and 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 take a shot on um, and everything. So yeah, they're, they're two that I would definitely uh, definitely watch out for. And uh, yeah, they could they could cause you some problems. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. There's a few Wednesday players that I, I like. I, obviously, George Byers, I've got a soft spot for. Obviously, came through Watford's academy. I think Marvin Johnson, I, I see him doing quite well as well. Um, and obviously, Barry Bannon, everyone knows about his quality that he brings. But there is decent players in the Sheffield Wednesday side. You've got Windass as well, who crops up with goals and obviously got that fantastic goal in a playoff final as well. Looking at tomorrow's night's team, though, what what would your predicted Sheffield Wednesday team be for tomorrow? Like, what team do you think Danny Roll's going to select? Yeah, well, um, obviously, I think it's going to be James Beadle in goal. Yeah, he's coming back from you know uh, it was it was cup tied in the game uh, against Coventry, so he'll probably start. Um, Michael Ahekwa and Deshaun Bernard will probably be the the two centre backs. Um, he did have. Bambo Diaby, but he picked up a red card and he's he's not been you know he's not been great so far this season. You mentioned Marvin Johnson; he'll probably play on the left, um, frozen out by Cisco Munoz. But since Danny Rills come in and he's put him in the side, he's been he's been great. You know, um, most of our most of our chances created have, have come from Marvin Johnson crossing the ball in and you know just not being able to convert some of them uh, as of yet. But but yeah, he'll be playing on the left. Um, a few goals as well, hasn't he, since he's came back into the side as well? Yeah, I think he's picked up three goals so far this season. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's a, he's a dab at, at that as well. Um, at right back, it's going to either be Paul Valentin uh, or Liam Palmer. Um, Liam Palmer played as, as like a defensive midfielder at, at the weekend, but I, I don't think he's, I don't think that's his best best position. But Danny Real's been, you know, um, preferring Paul Valentin on on the right hand side. He's not great defensively, but he's he's quick and he can get forward. And we have, you know, it is almost being kind of like more attack than defence at, at times for us. So I'm going to say Paul Valentin um, at right back. Um, in the middle, I'm probably going to say Barry Bannon, um, and I think Will Volks is probably going to partner him, or maybe Momo Diaby. Um, undecided on that one I'd probably prefer Will Volks if I'm being perfectly honest just to give us a bit more um, a bit more solidity I, I guess um, Momo's not played a lot this season although you know um, he, he has kind of shown a bit of promise when he's when he's come in and then I'd probably say it's going to be Gasama on on the left of like uh, a front three behind the striker Windass playing in the 10 through the middle uh, and then I'd have Gasama on the other side. So Masaba on one and Gasama on the other. And then I think leading the line, it's got to be Bailey Kadamatri. I think he's he scored three goals this season. He hasn't scored in a few weeks though. So he has gone off the boil a little bit. But um but yeah, I think with with Windass in that ten and, and helping him, I think he'll he'll do quite well. I've not put EK Ugbo in there. He could play instead of maybe Masaba, but I'm not quite I'm not quite sure. We haven't really got a best 11 as so to speak or mm. certainly uh, Danny Rill's not just stuck with the same side he'll make changes after you know, quite a lot of changes each week sometimes that's based on the team that we're coming up against other times it's just him trying a few things I mean he put he put our centre back in at defensive mid against Southampton and that was an absolute car crash to be honest um, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be doing that one anytime soon it's probably the only mistake that, that Danny Rill's made you know since he's been in there and you know which is not too bad, uh, I guess. But um, yeah, it's, it's mad as well. Under Danny, uh, under Darren Moore, people were playing hell. Of, uh, you know, at, at Darren Moore tinkering with the, with the team. Under Danny Real, it's um, it seems to be accepted. You know, changing the team every single week. 
Um, but I suppose that's just how how things are at uh, at times. And he's, you know, like I said, everyone loves Danny Real, so he could, he could do anything. He can do no wrong as far as the Sheffield Wednesday fans are concerned. Yeah, no, it does seem exciting under Danny Real at the moment. Um, it keeps you on your toes with team selections as well. Um, so, look, final question, James, before we let you go. Score prediction for tomorrow? Uh, I think there's going to be goals. Um, well, I think you, is it, is it 14 games that you've not kept a clean sheet for or something? But I think it's also something like that, the, same, yeah. the same number of games that you've scored in every single game so far. Um probably gonna be nil nil in it really based on that you know? <laughs> um nah i think I've, I've gone with a 2-1 win to sheffield wednesday i can't come here and say that we're gonna get beat no. um i think you know you are doing better than what you were doing at the start of the season uh, i guess you had a bit of a, a bit of a tough start and i don't think it's going to be easy having said that you know we are at home uh, we are better at home than we are on the road you know there's going to be twenty odd thousand fans there uh, tomorrow night uh, we're desperate to get back to winning ways, having not won in the last three games in all competitions, you know. So, yeah, and we've we've Huddersfield on the horizon, and, and them slipping up, you know, it should be, um, yeah, we should be looking to to get a win. So I'm going to go two one. Fantastic two one Wednesday for James Mike. I'll come to you and your cat. Prediction. <laughs> I didn't know you could say. Um, Do you know what? I think it's going to be a real tight game. It's it's not going to be one which is, um, you know, it's not going to be remembered for years. Let's put it that way. But well, I'll last just... time we played Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough was nil nil as well, Mike. Mm, yeah, I, I I just think that um, that was in the lockdown season. I think that was wasn't it yeah. the second game of the season or something? Something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Um, Under Vladimir Ivic. Yes, yes, it was, yeah. Um, I just worry... Well, no, sorry, I don't worry. Uh, completely the opposite. I just think away from home now, that worry isn't there. I know that we're going to be able to put a performance away from home, which has been a real stickler of Watford's for the last three, four seasons, however far back you want to go. Um so if, you know, like I've said on the podcast before, if we go a goal down, I don't automatically worry and think, right, how many is it going to be today then? Um, but I think the first, as cliche as it sounds, I think the first goal is really important tomorrow. Um, but I think there's going to be one goal that decides it. Um, and as James rightly pointed out, the last time that we got a clean sheet was 14 or however many games ago. Rotherham, um, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was Rotherham. I can't remember the date, though. I think I want to say October or November. Uh, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I, um, my cat's about to jump in front of the laptop, so I'll wrap up quite quick. Knocking stuff over now. Um, but yeah, no, um, I think I, I'll 11, go 1-0 Watford. November it was, mate. There you go. I'll go 1-0 Watford, uh, but it's, it's going to be a scrappy game. And um, yeah, I think Jake Livermore will score. Oh, Jake Livermore, consistent. Um, same as you, I feel more comfortable with us playing away from home than we actually do at home lately. Um, and that's strange saying that because normally we're comfortable at home and awful away from home. Um, still take us back to October when we went to Swansea away and it was nearly a, a whole calendar year that since we won an away game. And since then we've won five, six away games and we look really good away from home. Um, so that's the Val effect for season and playing with a consistent starting eleven as well has worked wonders for us. So 
I think if if we are serious about challenging for the playoffs, I think we have to go to Sheffield Wednesday and win. Saying that, Sheffield Wednesday are on a great run of form and they've just picked up a lot of points lately under Danny Roll. Um, and I think it's going to be harder than a lot of people will think. So I think it will end the draw. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw, go for a Desmond. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think... It's it's just going to be difficult, isn't it, Mike? Um, but yeah, to three different score lines there. Um, two one Sheffield Wednesday with James. I've gone for a two two, and then Mike. I totally forgot what you said, mate. One nil. <laughs> I said one nil. Which I think is even more imperative because at the moment, as we record, Coventry are drawing with Bristol City. So if Coventry win, that that gap sort of opens up even more. Um, so yeah, like you say, if if we want to, you know, pardon the expression, but if we want to sneak through the back doors of the playoffs, then um, we 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 really need to pick up three points tomorrow at Hillsborough. Yeah, like Joe, as see. well. If it finished two two, like you said, Ben, or, or a draw, I would take that now. To be honest, um, whenever I say this on our podcast, people come out and say, "Oh, you can't play for the draw." And it's not me saying I would play for the draw. Obviously, we want to go for the win. But if you said to me that, you know, you're going to walk out of there and it's going to be nil, nil, one, one, two, two, or, or whatever, I'd be like, I will, I will happily, you know, I won't be disappointed. All right, all right. If we, if we absolutely battered you and we're two nil up and we concede two late goals, it might be a different story. But on the, on the face of it, you know, taking a point at home against Watford, having, you know, having looking forward to Huddersfield on Saturday, uh, it won't be. You know, it's not the end of the world. I think when you're down at the bottom, you just got to keep picking points up. Obviously, picking yeah. points up and, and wins where you can. Um, but if you can keep like get a bit of an unbeaten run going, which you know we've lost those last two in the league, so we need to kind of get back on that horse again. Um, then, the, the, then it's gonna it's gonna help things. So yeah, I would I would happily take any sort of draw tomorrow and, and take the point and, and move on to the next game. Yeah, it's going to be a busy week for Sheffield Wednesday, like you say, two. T- Big games, tough games as well. Watford at home, Huddersfield away Saturday, which is absolutely massive. So all eyes will be on that fixture this Saturday as well. But James, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Really do appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight on Sheffield Wednesday. And I wish you all the best for the rest of the season. And I hope we get to speak to you again next season. Fingers crossed, mate. Thanks for having me. Nice one. Cheers, James. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Mike, that was great to have James on as always. Um, we won't really talk, talk too much about the, the, the game now um, because I'm concerned about the time um, that we've got everyone here. But very quickly, Sheffield Wednesday, it's obviously going to be a very difficult game for Watford. And like James says, it's just about picking up points for teams at the bottom. But we need to we need to kick on, don't we? We need to put pressure on that teams above. And Sheffield Wednesday, you've really got to go to that kind of opposition and you've got to start on the front foot and you've got to attack them and you've, you've got to put pressure on them and and, and just go full throttle, I think. I think you've, you've got to turn it on at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've been quite fortunate the last few away results. You know, we've we've picked up the, the, the point or a points. And we've perhaps not been at our best. QPR, we absolutely weren't at our best, but won. Bristol City, bit of a naff performance and, and come away with a point. Um, and, you know, it's frustrating because you look at that first half against 
um, Southampton and that. I mean, I listened to it because I was on the way back from football myself and um, it was on BBC Radio 5 Live. And um, I mean, Cam, Katie, everyone that was there that we spoke to said it was probably one of the best first half performances they've seen from a Watford side for a long, long time. So we know that the performance levels are there. It's just mm. getting them out of it uh, consistently. So, yeah, absolutely. Tomorrow could be a potential banana skin. They're fighting for their life. You know, business end of the season now. And, you know, they'll want to pick up the points just as much as we do. And like I've pointed out, Coventry are drawing at the moment. That gap could be five points come the end of tonight. So, you know, it's it's going to be tough. But to be honest, I I really wouldn't mind if we come out of there, scrap, like scrapping um, and and we get a 1-0 win and it's a scrappy game. I'm not that bothered. Um, sometimes you have to real, really scrap results out in this league. Yeah. But I would quite like to see more wholesome performance because I think away from home especially, I know I've just said about the results, but the performances haven't quite been there for a while. So, um, yeah, and I think there's a few people that have got sort of a reason to step up now. I'd be quite interested to see um, how much game time Dennis gets. It'd be quite interesting to see if Pollock can continue and and even star after his brilliant game against Southampton on Sunday. And, um, you know, the Ken Semmer's back from injury. Matthias Martins, where where will he fit in now with Dennis coming in? Uh, Yasser Espria. So, you know, there's people about that will think, right, I really need to show the boss that I should be starting. And hopefully mm-hmm. we can work that in our favour. But, yeah, big game. And I... Uh, I, I, I don't know why. I, I sort of worry when we go to places like this. And it's it's a big stadium. I'm not a skin games really, aren't they? Like yeah. you, I think fans underestimate the teams at the bottom when obviously they're fighting for their life. So I think fans think, oh, it's just Sheffield Wednesday, just roll up, play a bit of football, go home with three points. But it doesn't work like that, does it, Mike? It's it's no. gonna be a pull up your sleeves. Like this is a perfect game for Jake Livermore to tell to rally the troops and make sure that they're they're on it from the start. Absolutely, and and this is why Jake is such an important person in the squad because he's got that experience. He he'll have played a game like this hundreds of times. He'll know that sometimes you go, you put on a show, you play fantastic football, happy days, everyone goes home happy, and then there'll be games where. Bloody hell, that was a bit of a close call, but we got the three points. We really scrapped mm. to the death there. And and he's the one that sort of knows that difference. And Ben Hamer as well. You know, there's a reason he's in the leadership group. So, yeah, you know, I, I just don't want us to, like you say, go to Sheffield Wednesday, underestimate them, and they come away with the three points. I don't expect for one minute it to be a sellout, but even if they get a half-decent crowd in, I always worry about going to a big stadium, you know, when we're away from home. Maybe the, the home crowd are up for it. And I, I, I do worry about us in that situation. But hopefully we don't have to worry about that. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because we've got, I think I read, is it six games in 17 days? And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Yeah, it's a busy schedule for the Hornets now. Um, I, I know it's definitely three games in seven days, isn't it? It's obviously Sheffield Wednesday, Saturday. Uh, Wednesday, Saturday's Cardiff City at home. Then Tuesday, it's Southampton away in the FA Cup. Fourth round replay, which we could have definitely done without. Because yeah, like I you say, that. Uh, do you reckon that 
course, obviously, we, we didn't do the podcast the other night. I'm absolutely loving the he, third episode. We either bought a kitten or a parrot, one of the two. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we obviously didn't do the review of the um, Southampton game the other day, so we've not really spoken about it. Um, but do you reckon that word got out that we had Liverpool in the next round and they were just yeah. like, that one was like, sod this, I'll just let it in at the near post? <laughs> I felt a bit sorry for Batman because from, from what I heard and, and what I saw of the game, because I watched the last sort of half an hour, and he had a relatively good game, you know. Yeah, he had that, we were at the Chesterfield game and he he had quite a few shaky moments and you could see his confidence was really low. But yeah, I think I think he had a, a decent game against Southampton. So um yeah, listen, when when Southampton when sorry, when that draw come through and it was Liverpool, I I never want Watford to lose, of course I don't. Mm. But I sort of I couldn't be asked as much, and I thought, you know what? If we do concede, it might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, and yeah, we could really do without the replay. And I, I mean, I know we won at Southampton in the dreaded Premier League season a few seasons ago, but we we tend to never really do well at Southampton. So I can't imagine we'll we'll go there and win on on a Tuesday night when we'll probably put a second string side out. So let them have it, and we'll focus on the league. Yeah, priorities this season is having a stable season and trying to push on to the playoffs. Obviously, transfer window shuts on Thursday, the day after the Sheffield Wednesday game. Will Watford bring anyone in? We are going to keep our eyes firmly peeled on it. Um, But Val did say today that no senior players will be leaving Watford. And then Matty Pollocks came out and said that he's happy to be at Watford and he he wants the opportunity. And he's glad that he's, after Saturday's Sunday's performance against Southampton, he's glad that he's put that Millwall away performance at the the back of his head now because it has given him sleepless nights. So I'm pleased that Matty Pollock has came out and said that he's happy to stay at Watford and he's going to keep on working hard to get his opportunities because I do think he's going to get more minutes this season, which is good to see. But yeah, thank you everyone for watching tonight. I do really appreciate it. Mike appreciates it. Mike's kitten appreciates it. Um, (laughs) If you like the video, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button as well and get down into the comments as well. Let us know what your starting line up would be for tomorrow evening against Sheffield Wednesday. Let us know if you think we need to make one or two transfers, who you think we should maybe go after. Just let all your feelings out in the comments below and we'll read them all um, and comment back to you. So yeah, thank you everyone for watching tonight and we will be back I don't know when we'll be back. It's a busy schedule for ourselves as well, but we'll yeah. definitely be back in Cardiff. We'll try something for the Sheffield Wednesday review. If not, we'll definitely be back this weekend for Cardiff. So keep your eyes peeled on all the social media stuff, and we'll see you soon. Come on, you ones. Sports Social Podcast Network.